Welcome to the Change Log episode 0.3.0. I'm Adam Stakoviak. And I'm Wen Netherland. This is the Change Log. We cover what's fresh and new in the world of open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. And we're also up on github.com forward slash explore. You'll find some training repos, some feature repos from our blog, as well as the audio podcasts. If you're on Twitter, follow Change Log Show, not the Change Log. And I'm Adam Stack. And I'm Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. Set down this week with David Kaneda. Yeah, he's got the, quite the resume I see here. Yeah, Sencha Mobile, uh, WebKit Bits, which I found myself reading uh, all the time. And before that, JQ Touch, which I think you've played with. <laughs> That's a popular one there. Yeah, it is. Uh, probably the bleeding edge of web development uh, with the WebKit browsers on the, the mobile devices. Yeah. I was pretty excited to hear that uh, they were playing with, C- with SAS in this. Yeah, we're big Compass and F- SAS fans. If you've caught any uh, episodes of The Changelog, you know that we're... Uh, users and, and fans of, of Compass and SAS, and they're using it in kind of a unique way to do their theming with all of their buttons and controls and pickers and things of that sort. They're using a lot of variables and, and mix-ins and things like that. So what's, uh, what's cool about Central Touch? Central Touch lets you build web interfaces for mobile devices. You know, HTML5 is all the buzz right now, but it's uh, a way to do it without having to learn the native platforms, either Android or iOS. Very cool. And I guess this is what, episode 30, right? So that's, that's 30 episodes for the changelog. 30 episodes, and all, all roads lead to SAS, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Episode 1 and episode 30. And we're going to have those guys on soon to talk about a lot of the developments that have happened with Compass and SAS since uh, we last talked to them. That, that world is moving so quickly. I can't even take it. It's hard to keep up with. Yep, open source moves fast. Keep up. All right, let's get to this episode. Let's do it. We're joined today by David Kaneda from Cincha. We're going to talk about Cincha Mobile and some of the open source projects they have over there. David, why don't you introduce yourself and just let the folks know who you are and kind of what you do. Sure. My name is David Kaneda. Um, before coming to Cincha, I ran a few open source projects, including JQ Touch. Um, I also run a blog called WebKit Bits, which is uh, about WebKit. Um, and uh, before that, I've sort of always worked within the design development industry. So JQ Touch, popular iPhone project. Tell me a little bit about how that came about. Uh, sure. So I, um, I did my first iPhone app about a year and a half, two years ago. That was called Outpost. It was for Basecamp. Um, that was a fully native app, which I did with a developer friend, Jim Dovey. And uh, so as, as we put that out, I started to want to look into doing another app, uh, probably for Backpack at the time. And um, but really wanted a little more um, hands-on experience with the development of it. And uh, so after trying to learn Objective-C for a couple days um, and just not being too interested in the language and then sort of at the same time, I just coincidentally was looking into the, the capabilities of uh, WebKit and, you know, Safari on the iPhone. Um, I started to see what was possible there and there wasn't much in the... Um, you know, in that arena that, that really covered that uh, sort of native feeling web app. For those that don't know, JQ Touch is, is I guess, a, a fair comparison might be a more polished uh, jQuery-centric IUI. Yeah, I, um, I, I don't want to compare too directly to IUI. I think, you know, those guys were great, and uh, especially, you know, Joe kicking that project off, it was a great um, idea 
I think the, the big thing that Jakey Touch sort of brought to the table when we came out was, um, you know, the use of, of hardware accelerated animations was a big deal, adding a lot more animations in terms of 3D and flips and things. Um, and then we also just, uh, by using jQuery, made it a lot more extendable by um, using sort of jQuery's event syntax and um, adding a lot of custom callbacks that, uh, that IUI didn't really have at the time. So now you're part of the Cincha team. Give a little background about Cincha and its roots in XJS and, and what it aims to solve. Absolutely. Um, so I came into XJS, which is now Cincha, um, in December. Uh, before that, I had heard about XJS sort of in passing. I haven't done a ton of work in uh, sort of rich Internet apps um, like XJS does for the, de- the desktop. Um, so their, their goal back then was basically to create the richest, most powerful um, JavaScript framework for, for mobile as they've done for the desktop. And JQTouch certainly had some, some elements of that, but, but was not the you know, sort of application programming structure uh, that, that some developers needed. So, um, so when I came in, I came in as creative director um, and... My, my role in the company has pretty much been split uh, between the development side and sort of taking everything I've learned in JQ Touch and help bring it to Central Touch. Yeah, and um, I definitely can't take credit for Central Touch alone. We've had, um, particularly Tommy Mines has been uh, sort of the JavaScript mastermind behind it, and we've had a lot of developers helping out with it, and uh, I really think it shows. But um, my time's pretty much been split between that and then also doing the sort of marketing and branding side of Sensha, which, uh, you know, including the rename and redesign and uh, some upcoming design projects will be launching soon. Looks fantastic. Now, Sensha targets not only iPhone and, and iOS, but also Android as well? Yep, absolutely. And so what are, the, what are some of the challenges of, of hitting both of those platforms in one framework? <laughs> um, Okay, so for those who don't know, uh, both the iPhone and Android are based on WebKit, and um, which is a browsing engine that's also in Safari and Chrome. Um, as PPK has noted in the past, there are a million different versions of WebKit. Um, and so it was to, to make it work on both platforms was actually a good deal harder than we thought it might be initially. Um, there's a fair amount of operating system um, sort of interference with some of the elements on pages. For example, uh, form inputs like text input and uh, text areas are basically always controlled by the operating system when, when implementing WebKit. And so they can respond very differently to, to events or things like that. Um, and then just general challenges in terms of uh, screen resolution, um, especially with the number of devices that Android is on. And... Um, you know, some minor differences in their WebKit versions. You know, talk about that for a moment. You know, the, I guess the main difference right now between Android development and, and iPhone development, I think a lot of folks are making the comparison between Mac and Windows back in the day where on the Windows side it was, it was um, you know, they didn't control the hardware. They only provided the software. It's much the same model. Now, on Android, you've got multiple flavors out there. And it seems like they're reproducing all the time. What challenges have you seen in, in supporting? And I guess how far back do you support in that that stack? Yeah. I, so 
publicly, we're saying basically 2.0. Um, internally, we obviously highly prefer a 2.2 or a Froyo. Um, has been, you know, just has done wonders for them in terms of their JavaScript processing. Um, I think the iPhone has always had um, a small advantage in, in regard to animations from having core animation built into the into the OS. So um, even in Safari, when it's doing a WebKit or a hardware-accelerated animation, um, it, it's using the operating system level uh, frameworks to, to accomplish it. And, and I think it, it shows in the smoothness of the animations. Um, so in that way, I think Android still... Um, I, I love Android, and I sort of every time Android releases a new version, I want to think like this is the one. This is this is going to be it. Um, but just personally, I've always found I, iOS has, has offered a far superior experience. You know, one of the things that attracted to me attracted me to Cincha when I first saw it was the fact that it was intuitive yet not native. And by that, I mean it, it's an interface that is very intuitive if you used either platform. But it doesn't try to go that last 5% to really emulate the operating system, which seems like always leaves the user just wanting a little bit more because web apps are web apps. They're not native apps. Yeah, I mean, we've done, I think, a fair amount so far in terms of replicating a lot of native stuff. There's so, um, you know, the biggest thing and, and biggest talking point uh, a couple months ago was, was just sort of emulated scrolling, momentum scrolling. And the ability to fix, you know, elements to a certain position on the page and keep them there. Um, this has always been like a challenge in mobile WebKit. They've just never built it in because of some OS type restrictions. Uh, it just hasn't been possible. So we have to sort of fake it with JavaScript um, and CSS. Uh, so you know, once that was out of the way, we sort of moved on to a whole range of, of different native feeling components like uh, carousels, pickers, things like that. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that we miss and that, that we're just not able to do is some of the hardware uh, APIs that we're unable to reach. So, um, you know, in terms of open source projects, you have uh, PhoneGap, which has been a great MIT project from Natobi uh, that opens up those APIs, lets people access the camera or access the contact list or, you know, even just easier audio and video, even though it's part of HTML5 you can actually get a, a more polished experience with them, um, you know, using some built-in native APIs. You know, you've got a blog post. Uh, this is actually your blog post. I didn't realize the byline the first time I read it. Getting sassy with CSS. We're big fans of both Compass and SAS here. Episode one of, of the uh, change log was about Compass and SAS. Oh, was it? I didn't, I didn't realize that. And we're going to have Nathan and Chris on very soon to talk about the latest and greatest uh, SAS 3.0 and, and Compass 1.0. Uh, items that are out there, but talk a bit about the architecture of the themes in Sencha and where SAS plays into that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that the, the theming has been sort of my brainchild in, in the project in, in regards to development. That's been my major contribution. Um, and I just think it's the most flexible sort of framework theming I've seen yet. And um, I'm just super excited about it. Like, uh, so Basically, uh, SAS and Compass at a very core level uh, provide you some tools in CSS that you've never had. They abstract CSS to the point where you can use functions, variables, um, things like that. In, re in regard to creating a, 
a framework, a, a framework that includes a UI layer, especially like such a touch, um, having flexibility and, and sort of making those style sheets as compact as possible is a, is a huge goal, you know, because customizing one's app is, is probably one of the highest priorities. Um, and so we've done a lot with SAS and Compass in, in regard to making uh, color variables, um, sort of overriding variables. And so you can, at this point, take sort of a, a SAS theme file. Um, all you have to do is include our, our theme file, our SAS file, and then you can basically overwrite variables like base color or um, highlight color or active um, to, to change the entire look and feel of the application. Do you have a preference between the indented old school SAS style and the new SCSS? Yeah, I, uh, I, was, I used to hate the old style um, because I was so used to CSS and it just felt unnatural and, and its dependence on white space formatting was, was extremely strict. So if you had an extra space somewhere, it would throw off the whole compiler. Um, then we made the switch to sassy CSS, the SCSS, and, uh, and then I missed the old one because it was so much more compact. Um, but now I, I've sort of gotten over it, and I, and I like it being a little more verbose with the um, with all the punctuation and everything. I, I think it's better. You know, I'm an old school guy myself. I, I started a new project in the SCSS, the curly brace syntax, just to to get up to speed on the differences and the nuances. And I gave it a yeah. couple of weeks, and I just had to switch <laughs> it back. At first, it's annoying because you know you have so many more brackets and things, but. Uh, the fact that you don't have these white space errors is a huge plus for me. And, um, and I also actually very much like the fact that it validates as CSS, um, sure. even though it has no actual implications in the, uh, in the compilation pro- process. Uh, it just feels better. That's a big plus. Let's talk about UI uh, programming for a moment. So what is the, the programming model to build a Cinchia mobile application? Is it you know, most of the examples I've seen are... Uh, purely programmatic. Is there any declarative markup style uh, options available? There are not. So that that is definitely the biggest differentiation point between JQ Touch and Sentry Touch. And we are keeping both active and running, um, by the way. So JQ Touch has become part of Central Labs, which is our sort of our new foundation set up specifically for MIT fully open source projects. Um, so Central Touch is is definitely um, programmatic. It's it's API driven in JavaScript. Um, we are investigating the possibility of doing some sort of progressive enhancement solution, um, but at the same time, that's that's sort of um, a lower priority on our on our list as as sort of creating the most robust. Um, functional uh, and optimized framework is sort of number one priority at the moment. We could see, I could see that sort of thing playing in as, as sort of like a plug-in that you could throw in on top of Central Touch at some point. Um, but in terms of creating sort of actual, if you were to think about most uh, sort of well-done iPhone apps, if you were to think about Twitter as an iPhone app, it's not something where you would want the bulk of your content really residing in the HTML page to begin with. It, it's more about sort of uh, functional process and, and you know having some sort of application hi- uh, structure like MVC or something behind it. Well, I guess the upside of a, a programmatic approach like that is you could build tools on top of that to 
to build those interfaces at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so we've done that on the desktop so far with X Designer, um, uh, which allows you to sort of drag and drop components to generate the UI classes for your app. And then you can just kind of drop those UI classes into the app and, and write your functional code around it. Um, I think doing something like that for touch wouldn't be too, um, too big a hassle though. Uh, again, you know, we, we are still in beta with some to touch. So, uh, we have a little bit more to go on the framework before we start investigating tools and, and some extra plugins and things, but they are all, are all sort of, um, on the plate as it stands. Well, we've hit on iPhone and, and Android, but we should mention that you've got really robust support for the iPad with the split window UI metaphors. Talk about that for a moment. Sure. Uh, I think, I think the iPad, um, you know, in, in terms of traffic and, and, uh, market share, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. You know, there's still plenty of room for growth there, but, um, but in terms of what Sensha Touch can do for the iPad, I do think it's sort of unprecedented. It's definitely something you can't accomplish with JQ Touch. Um, you can make very native feeling um, iPad web apps with Sensha Touch because of all of the sort of uh, layout and data options that we've brought over from XJS. Um, it's really just, at its core, Sensha Touch is really just an app framework. Um, and so sort of the more resolution we can give it in, in, in still having it be a touch-based API, uh, you know, a touch-based UI, uh, the better, uh, the more impressive I think it becomes. We've got some impressive demos up on the website. One of those is the Open Congress application. It looks like you guys are using APIs from Sunlight Labs, which were on episode 013. Did you have a hand in building that one? I guess the Geo Congress app is what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, so I helped design that app and I helped style that app and I helped a little bit, um, within the structure, but, uh, really that was mostly coworkers. Um, I spent the majority of my time that, so my demo was sort of the Kiva one in terms of programming. Um, I spent, um, I did the majority of the programming on that one and that was more of a, a lesson for myself. I just wanted to make sure I put an app out there before I started marketing the thing. Well, since we are an open source podcast, let's talk about licensing models for a moment of, around not only the mobile platform, but the other projects that you guys have. Sure. Um, so, like, as I mentioned uh, just real quick, so we just recently launched Sencha Labs. Um, JQ Touch is in there. Um, Raphael JS is in there, who I understand was on a few weeks ago as well. Um, and... Uh, and then we also have a variety of sort of node-related projects, which we're putting on there, uh, including Connect and Express, which um, are some great sort of, you know, server-side JavaScript projects. Um, I think that's one of the most exciting things happening in tech right now is, is stuff happening in Node. Um, and I know we hope to look a little more into it as, you know, we develop our framework further, but... Um, so that's all under Essential Labs at the moment, and we will be getting a site up to, to better highlight those projects soon. Um, and then there are the, the projects which we offer commercial licenses for, including XJS, XGWT, um, which is a native port of XJS to, to GWT, and um, Sensor Touch. 
So what are your plans for world domination around, uh, I guess, JavaScript on the server side? It sounds like you're attracting some really sharp talent. Tim Caswell is a buddy of ours. He was on episode 017, and, and we know TJ, and those guys are out there. So what are you guys doing on the server with Node that's uh, intersecting all of this mobile and, and client-side magic? Yeah, uh, Tim and TJ are uh, super awesome, super talented developers. Um, unfortunately, I can't really disclose everything we're looking at right now. Um, but you're going to give us a scoop when you get close. <laughs> yes, I will definitely call back in with the scoop. But uh, I, you know, I don't know what we're... I, I know a variety of things that we're looking at as far as inclusion with the framework and, and, um, and some of the possibilities that it's opening up I, you know, are just incredibly um, innovative. I mean, I just haven't seen stuff like it before. But, uh, but I don't want to bound the company to a certain uh, direction, totally <laughs> especially because that's not, that's not really my um, field. Sure. Well, we come to the part of the show where we ask, kind of turn the episode upside down and ask our guests what's got them excited in the world of open source. So what's on your radar? What are you anxious to play with? Yeah, I mean, we've already covered most of them. So I, I, I'll be honest and admit I haven't tried Node at all yet. And um, some of the things I've heard in terms of performance and optimization, I, I just think are sort of amazing. So, I mean, that's a big thing I want to get into is uh, lear- learning Node. Um, as, as we mentioned, SAS and Compass are probably my favorite two new technologies this year I've found. Um, I, I just sort of can't get over how much easier they've made style sheet authoring. And like, um, I can't even think of like doing a one-page site now without using SAS and Compass because uh, it just makes it that much easier. Um, and then I don't think this qualifies as a open source technology. I mean, no, it's, it's open. Uh, so the Yahoo's YQL um, has also been just a new thing I've just sort of got onto this year, um, which is incredibly cool. I mean, it's so for those who don't know, YQL is a um, sort of a developer tool from Yahoo that allows you to sort of query the web in a SQL-like format. Um, and this can be sort of anything in regard to it could query a REST-based XML API or it could query a JSON API or it could even just screen scrape pages. Um, it can do all of this with SSL authentication. Um, I mean, the, the power behind it is just kind of immeasurable in, in that, um, especially when I was putting together that Kiva demo, um, I think one of the coolest re- uh, things you realize when you're working with YQL is the second you join two data sources as if, as if you were joining two tables in, in MySQL. Um, and th- it's really just sort of these data sources on the internet of, of these API endpoints. And it's actually combining data from the server side. And no matter what you use, it'll spit back the data it gets in JSON format. So um, for web app developers, um, you know, cross-domain issues have always been a huge sort of uh, burden because you can't really request certain types of APIs over from different servers um, as a security precaution. But YQL actually removes a ton of those issues. Um, so for web app developers, I, I think it's just one of the coolest technologies I've seen. Fun time to be a mashup developer for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for joining us today. I can't wait to... Uh continue to play with Sencha and, and see where the project's headed, especially as you uh, close in on 1.0 and, and what great things uh, the listeners are going to build with it. 
Definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we have a ton of good stuff coming. Uh, so there are plenty more secrets before uh, 1.0 actually drops. But um, yeah, and uh, and I should also mention real quick, uh, we we are going to offer commercial licensing on Sentient Touch, um, just like we do with XJS and GWT, uh, which are split between GPL and commercial. Um, and we will be announcing that within a week. So that's coming very soon. I know there are a lot of people waiting to hear that. <laughs> Great. Looking forward to it. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks for having me.